Hello and welcome to the Crypto Basic Podcast. This is Brent and I'm here to let you know you're going to be listening to a new style of episode. You're going to be listening to a panel episode. We're doing a panel today on content creators and the difficulties and responsibilities of those content creators, especially in a bear market. So get ready. Enjoy this ride, and if you like the episode, make sure to let us know. Drop drop us a line in the Discord. We're always happy to get some feedback, and we'll see you on Flagship Friday. The Silicon Valley companies, even Apple, listen, if they want to kick you out of iTunes, they don't have to give you a reason. You can be booted. This is why we need new platforms that are decentralized, that are blockchain-based, where we, the people, are empowered to put our content out there without fear of censorship. Welcome, everybody here. We have some of the most popular, most important, best content creators in the crypto space today. We got a big treat. We're going to be doing a content creator responsibilities panel. We're going to be talking about the responsibilities and difficulties of being a content creator in the crypto space during a bear market. Obviously, not as many listeners, not as many downloads. And it's tough to see that it's tough to see that listener number go down. So uh, as as I said in the intro, we have Joel Com from the Bad Crypto Podcast here. We have Matthew Aaron from the Crypto 101 Podcast. And we have Forrest, uh, which is hash Oshi hash Oshi on YouTube for right on. So I'm gonna ask each of you to give us a quick intro. Tell us what you want our listeners to know about you. And and then we'll go and we'll get right into the questions and start having our discussion. We'll start we'll start with you, Joel. Okay, but I want to know where these important people in the podcast space are. <laughs> I mean, you talked about. <laughs> Listen, I, it's important to put the superlatives on there. I, I, don't, be- right. I don't believe it for myself. But. <laughs> right, I don't believe my own press either. I'm Joel Com. I've been an internet entrepreneur since uh, 1995. Sold a site to Yahoo. I've had a number one iPhone app. Written 15 books, and I'm 12 years old at heart. I like to play with all the toys and the gadgets. Was uh, <laughs> attracted to blockchain back in early 2000. 17 and uh, my friend Travis Wright and I began talking all things Bitcoin and one day he says hey why don't we do a show and I said hey sounds like a great idea so now we're a year and a half into the bad crypto podcast and uh, we're really good at staying bad that's and I think you guys were the first podcast that I ever listened to in the crypto space I'm sorry yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh man multiples (laughs) yeah so uh, so let's let's move to another podcast. Matthew, you you're returning on the show, but it's possible some of the listeners didn't hear the last episode. So give them the quick version. Yo, yo. Um, my name is Matthew Aaron. I am the editor in chief of Crypto 101 Media, which is Crypto 101 podcast, a podcast for the 101s, beginners, the average consumer. ICO 101 podcast hosted by Aaron Paul, which does ICOs and entrepreneurs and entrepreneur endeavors into the space. And also the author of Crypto 101, Johnny's Guide to Cryptocurrency, first book, trying to catch up to Joel with 12, working on the second one this year, and also a keynote speaker. And <laughs> I am very happy to be here and meet everybody in this panel. Awesome. That's I would have expected you to have at least three or four more books out since the last show. I was like three yeah. months ago in crypto <laughs> years. How many? Three months in crypto years is like 10 years. That's, get them out there. All right. Finally, uh, we have we have Forrest known as Hash, Hash Oshi. Why am I having such a hard time pronouncing that? Uh, on YouTube, you're, uh, the, the coolest thing I saw about you before you even go into it was that you're actually an Ethereum developer on top of a content creator. So that was exciting. Uh, yes, sir. Give us a little bit more than that crappy introduction. No worries, man. No worries. And, and it's funny that that name, Hishoshi, is one that most people struggle with. And that is probably the, the reason why I'm like, wow, should have picked an easier name to say. But anyway, <laughs> um, my name is Forrest, uh, otherwise known as Hishoshi on YouTube. Uh, as Brent said, I'm an Ethereum developer, but I really started out just as a general software engineer in distributed uh, distributed computing. Uh, and so getting into Bitcoin and Ethereum when it came into the fray, I just started falling in love with smart contracts and building distributed applications with, uh, with blockchain. And then fast forward a, a couple of years, I thought, well, I'm explaining the same concepts to clients all the time. How can I kind of scale myself? And I started making videos and now here I am. Uh, in the in the crypto world, talking about the stuff that I love every single day on YouTube. So 
it's been a real blast and I'm stoked to be here to chat with you guys. All right. Awesome. Those were great, succinct uh, introductions. Nobody ran too long. Nobody needed the buzzer. So to to kick us off, and let me just reiterate this. You guys feel free to ask each other questions or when there's silence, I promise I'll come up with something. But in ideal worlds, the panel moderator just steps aside and lets the people who are there to actually provide their value give it to everybody. So, Joel, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to ask you just this one, the question that I had, uh, that, that I'd emailed you. Um, you have a pretty unique place in this space. It's, two of the three of us, at least, have used you as an on-ramp to our uh, our cryptocurrency content consumption experience. And so you were the first one that I listened to for sure. And I feel like that gives you a unique responsibility to the community and to the to the listeners and to the entrepreneurs, everybody that's coming in. How does that make you different from, say, like Andreas Antonopoulos in your approach <laughs> to your content? Well, uh, Andreas is, is smart, first of all. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> you know, so there's that. But, you know, I don't know if this responsibility. I mean, look, we weren't the first crypto podcast. There, you know, Laura Shin's been doing Unchained for a long time in the Bitcoin podcast. Those guys have been at it for longer than we had. I think we were the first ones that came along that uh, did it with a sense of humor, right? That we came at it from the approach of, hey, we're not experts. We don't know really what we're talking about, but we're going to go on this journey and we're inviting y'all to come along with us, you know, as we talk to people and we learn and we research and, you know, and we're still learning and we're still researching. And I think that was the benefit of calling it the bad crypto podcast because you immediately lowered the bar (laughs) and the expectations, you know, nobody could say, uh, you know, we expected better of you guys because we'd be like, it's bad. We told you you're going to get, you know, you're going to get thoughts from the top of our head. You're going to get off the cuff interviews. You're going to you're not going to get financial advice because everybody who listens to our show knows we are definitely not financial advisors. We're just two dudes talking crypto. And so, uh, you know, whether the market's up or the market's down, we're passionate about blockchain and crypto, and we're going to keep talking about it. And uh, I think, you know, we believe as as all of us here do that we are still in the early phase of this whole movement. Uh, and we just want to keep creating valuable content for our listeners. We want to bring them interesting people. We want to keep them up to date on the news. We want to share interesting projects and we want to laugh a crap ton. <laughs> we we want to just put bad dad jokes out there and just be who we are i can definitely sympathize with the bad dad jokes i may or may not have made you know a million of those since we started the since we started the show i i love that approach of we're bad because we a part our part part of our financial advisor drop at the end is we say we're idiots and we've been called idiots plenty of times by like somebody on youtube or somebody in a forum they're like these guys are idiots and i'm like yep just listen to the end of every single episode uh, we've never claimed to be anything otherwise so that, that I feel like it's a really fun way to be a part of the space and also knock off a lot of the random criticism that you're going to get from the trolls because they're well, going to come. You don't know what you're going to get. And, and they do come. And, uh, you know, by and large, we've got a, a really um, a fan base that really accepts us for who we are, a great community. We're not everybody's cup of tea. And and you shouldn't be. You know, if mm-hmm. you're so generic that everybody loves what you're doing, uh, that doesn't exist. You're, do, you're not doing anything creative. You're doing something wrong. And I'll tell you what, doing the show with Travis, he's so funny. And so witty. I just I never know what, um, you know, he's going to say. And we just laugh a lot and it makes the show fun for us. You know, people like to be around others who are having a good time. And so we just have a good time and figure people who want to hang out and party with us, they'll be there to listen. Yep. So your so your responsibility is entertainment. That's the. Yeah, I, I do see us as entertainers more than um, than information bringers. In fact, we're doing Bad Crypto Live at so many events these days because when we do our stage show, we're giving that Bad Crypto experience in front of a live audience. And it breaks up that traditional keynote speaker panel, keynote speaker panel mm-hmm. that you get at all these crypto events. And that you've got so many of them that are just boring. And mm-hmm. we get up on stage and we just have a good time and so it's transformed and morphed into more than just the podcast matt you said you were you were a keynote speaker at a few conferences right 
Yeah. Yes. So what? What do? You, how do you feel about the the keynote speaker panel back and forth? Do you think there's any way to spice it up, or have you kind of enjoyed that? That setup at the at the cryptocurrency conferences. Well, to be perfectly honest, man, I'm try- I'm just getting into the keynote speaker uh, sort of role, and um, just because you know the podcast, you know my background and my mission to be into blockchain and get people into blockchain, f- figuring out you know the aspects of the technology or what how it can you know uh, benefit their lives or be an aspect of their lives. So I think that uh, Joel's way of looking at the at the, at the at conferences and speakers and the format of these shows is out of, out of, out of experience. I've seen uh, Joel, you know, on uh, YouTube all over the place, you know, speaking at, at conferences and what have you. So I think when he comes in and says, you know, this is boring is from, you know, uh, hundreds of conference experience going, we need to spice this up a little bit, but I do agree. I mean, what, what do people want when they come to a conference? I mean, usually it's just networking and nobody cares about the conference. It would be great if somebody made a conference that people were there for the conference because it's it's entertaining because it's engaging because it brings the audience the average consumer or people who are interested or advocates for blockchain or inspired by blockchain to be involved in the conference and i don't think many do that well right so i can agree with you i've been to some really bad conferences <laughs> it's it's unfortunate but the the end result is there's some conferences where it's like a bunch of kind of almost scammy projects just pitching to a group and they're labeled as crypto conferences. The first one I ever stumbled upon was in was in Colombia. I was there for an unrelated reason, and I saw a crypto conference in the middle of a park. And then I walked in, and sure enough, it was like you know seventeen different skins of BitConnect that were trying to to build <laughs> I never heard of before. So <laughs> definitely, go. I just go. I'm there for the food. You know, I want to see what they're going to serve. That's <laughs> the the food is always is always better in the speaker room. I can I can attest to that. There and some conferences to blow me away in those rooms with some of the food. I I definitely agree. Um, oh my gosh, I I have to. I don't want to dominate here, but we just you know we were at World Crypticon um, in uh, at the Aria in Vegas last Halloween, and those guys I have never been treated so well as a speaker. I mean, the food that was in that speaker lounge was the most amazing stuff. I just wanted to live in the lounge when I wasn't you know on stage. I, I think any lounge at the Aria is going to qualify for that. It, just like whether it's at the pool or, or wherever, you're just like, nah, nah I want to be at the lounge at the Aria. It doesn't really matter which one. I love Vegas. Yeah, man. Sure. I, sure. I was a professional poker player for most of my life. And I've spent, I don't know, at least two months of every year since 2006 out there. And it gets old after a while. But once you start finding like the little places, it's cool. So what is it with poker players in this space, man? I, everybody was former poker players. Well, I, I think the reason well, is because them, yeah. online poker was not really – they went through this phase where they, it wasn't legal to put money onto an online poker site. And uh, got it. You could, Makes you, sense. You could not have a transaction with your bank, but you could have – you could send crypto. So the, uh, the Calvin Iyer, actually, the Bitcoin Cash guy – owned one of the sites called Bovada at the time, and he was the first one to start accepting Bitcoin. So a lot of online poker players would use Bitcoin not knowing what it is, but it would be their way to transfer value onto the site without having a transaction with their bank. Mm -hmm. And therefore, they started to learn about it, and they were like, oh, wait, wow, okay, this is awesome. So, And then they would would go forward uh, through that. So um, Forrest, I haven't heard from you yet, and I want to learn a little bit about how you got into the space and kind of what your what your listener base or viewer base is like from a completely unique standpoint and what kind of struggles you may have had so far in the bear market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh yeah, I mean in case you haven't noticed, I'm usually the the quiet dude who sits there and listens and kind of waits for that that time to interject. But regardless of that, I got into crypto actually ages ago. Um I was one of those like nerd kids who was in, you know, high school talking to his friends about this thing you know, Bitcoin and all these, you know, 15 year olds are like, dude, what are you talking about? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then, <laughs> so you we're know, all the 50 year olds. Again. Don't worry. All right. I, well, and, and then now it's like those same people are like, hey, that's, I remember you talking about that. That's very interesting. Um, but then in college, I started going to school for, for computer science and I was able to really apply myself and apply that craft to learning more about crypto. And then it was like the Bitcoin core. And the Bitcoin protocol was out there. And so you could play around with that and try and, you know, set up your own local Bitcoin network and just play around. And so that's how my my initial fascination with building this stuff came to be. Uh, and then when I graduated, I was lucky enough to immediately jump into a job where I could do this full time. 
uh, building Ethereum applications for clients. And it's been a wild ride since then. I've learned a ton. And I've gotten to build with a bunch of different platforms that have stemmed from um, those original few that hit the market early on. Um, so recently, I did some videos about, about Tron, which I got the chance to build with. Completely changed my mind about Tron, getting to build with it and use it. Um, same with Cardano. I've started building with that. So I think just coming at it from a different perspective as someone who likes to physically make this stuff, I really just want to share with people some of the technical details they might not get on other shows. And that's not to say other shows don't give great information. I'm not a financial guy. Like I don't do the the trading and the numbers, the technical analysis. I'm from the other side of things, like the technical coding stuff. So I want to share with people in simple terms how this stuff works. And that's uh, that's my wheelhouse. Man, I think that's a great, awesome thing that you said about um, uh, you're not a financial guy and you, you don't want to share financial information. I think that all of our shows have, we're not financial advice, legal advice or anything before that or during it or wherever we put it. Um, but I think it's like super ballsy in my opinion. I don't know what you guys feel. And I guess I'm asking this question that people go out there and give financial advice. They t- show you how to trade and they show you the charts and wedges and stuff like that. Even if they're professional, yeah. doesn't that hold such a responsibility? And if we're talking res- about responsibility of people, people who show people how to make money, su- supposedly quote unquote, make money, that's just such a loaded responsibility. Don't you think? Yeah, I think it. I think it's a slippery slope, to be honest, because I think even if you apply you know, all of the, the true tricks of the trade, pun intended, you know, <laughs> learning how to, how to trade, you can't actually predict how a lot of these things are going to go. You know, right. I, I don't think that reading the charts is what it would have predicted a lot of the things that have happened in, in the history of crypto. And so there's a reason why, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous to try and, and give financial advice and say, I'm giving you financial advice and not say, hey, this is just what I'm seeing, you know, do your own research. It's like, said over and over again but it's so true i'll take it a step further Mm -hmm. it's stupid it's you know if you're out there and you're telling people what to buy and sell and you are not a licensed financial advisor you're setting yourself up for major lawsuits that's why you know it's become a running gag for us that we're not financial advisors we say it every show you know and we we tell people does the audience know that we're not financial advisors well and travis will say i don't know mr joelcom are we and you know so we we play with that all the time and i guarantee there is going to be some serious more than wrist slaps that are going to take place this year for people who have put themselves out there and attempt to put themselves Mm -hmm. forwards as geniuses of uh, the investment community i mean that that actually goes back i don't want i don't i don't want to i don't want to bring this back to maybe a sensitive topic but you know ronnie moez i mean that was a huge thing (laughs) on uh, the bitcoin network podcast and then, you know, uh, you know, just the way that it, that whole thing is un- played out. Uh, I know he was on your show for a couple of times and I'm not saying anything connected eight. to your show, but eight times, eight, <laughs> just eight a times. Jesus. Yeah. Ronnie was a friend of the show <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're not responsible for introducing him to the world. I mean, he was doing crypto and, and doing, you know, and he had a good track record in uh, in stock picks. And we brought him on and, you know, we we made a little fun of him. His politics are kind of weird to us. But, you know, we liked mm-hmm. the things he had to say. We thought that, you know, he was a reasonable um, person. And we finally had to disown uh, that connection to him because if we feel like he just went off the rails, uh, you know, right. I don't, you know, dig, no dig. I don't know. We'll see how that all pans out. Who knows? Yeah, and if you don't mind me jumping in on that, to be honest, I've noticed a lot lately, especially in this you know, bear market, if that's what you can call it, to be honest, there's, there's been so much more back and forth and like pink finger pointing and like criminalization in terms of people saying, Hey, this person's a scammer. No, this person's a scammer. And I think it's just natural that we're in this position now because of how it was in, in 2017. And even before that, where no one could lose, everyone was right, no matter what they said. And now I think we're paying for it as a collective. I think that. An interesting thing that I, I, I've been seeing lately, and I, I this might be just me and my perception, but there's a lot of people that want to make sure that they are in the clear, that they're going to come on uh, different shows, different podcasts, or what have you, to, to tell their stories. And they're going to reach out to uh, different podcasts or these channels or mediums to say, you know, yes, we were during the hype we we did this but we were we are we are innocent of anything we didn't uh, you know 
chill. We didn't, you know, tell people to buy this or that. We didn't, you know, try to, you know, or, or whatever they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna say. I feel that uh, during this bear is that's that's when you saw a lot of people come out and try to come on shows to kind of explain what they did in 2017, 2000, early 2018. Have you guys been seeing that trend, or is it just or is it just me? And then again, the responsibility for uh, our podcast, since we're talking about responsibilities, what re- responsibilities do you think we hold to provide a platform for them to say that? say that what they want to say or what responsibility do we have to that if we gave them that platform say ronnie moez i i, I know for example for example i just had i i had taylor monahan on my show three or four times and now all of a sudden she's getting there's like the spam bot or pr agency that's just spamming hate on her so hard mm-hmm. like she's a fraud she's a liar she she you know screwed over her partner at uh, my ether wallet what do you think our responsibility is to have to, for, the, for those kind of aspects? I, I'll just jump in real quick and say that I actually agree with you seeing that trend. I think it's probably because most people feel like they got anything they said wrong because everything went down, right? So there isn't like a good pick unless you're really comparing to only Bitcoin. And even then, Bitcoin pretty much outperformed everything, right? So any pick that wasn't just whole Bitcoin is going to feel like they need to defend themselves. Um and and try to kind of get themselves out in the clear. But the reason we're in this spot with such responsibility is this market is so small, which is why we're part of the ad- early adoption phase, that somebody like John McAfee back at the height of cryptomania sending a tweet could directly and catastrophically affect the price of a coin or a project. Mm-hmm. You don't get that in in you know a, a legacy stock market if somebody says you should go buy apple on or uh, who's that guy that like yells all the time and presses things uh kramer yes kramer that guy yeah, yeah. if he goes and smashes <laughs> a button and says buy apple it doesn't really affect apple's price much so you know but the the biggest influencers in this space really can so i think we i've struggled personally a lot with the responsibility of of who do you give the platform to and it's tough to it's tough to vet the people that you're going to give the platform to, and that's why I went kind of the easy route on this first panel and brought you guys on because you have thousands of hours out there of vetting yourselves, so we don't have to worry about whether whether I need to look into what's going on with you or not. I know you I know you guys are all the best in the business. I don't have a problem Do giving think- uh, you know platform to people that have some more extreme opinions. I mean, look, if our show is entertainment and it is, controversy sells. You know, mm-hmm. having having McAfee on, whether the guy is spot on or a complete wing nut, people listen. They want to hear what he has to say. You know, having Roger Veer on, whether I agree with him or, you know, he can poke him to say it's B cash. You know, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's entertaining. And, uh, you know, if your guests are just boring, you know, and all they're doing is talking tech and there's no spice to the interview. This goes back to some of these conferences that, you know, they've got some really smart people on stage, but when they're speaking, you're like, you know, because they can't hold a room. And if we can't hold our listeners as podcast hosts, Mm. because of the guests we're bringing on, then we don't have a show. We, we're just talking, you know, we're just talking to, you know, we're just talking on a microphone to our guests and nobody wants to hear it. Man, I agree with that. I think that we we the responsibility that's held is basically to our listeners. I think that actually, Joel, Joel, you and I we started either a week apart from each other um, back in July or August of 2017, mm-hmm. and I, I see that you know a lot of these podcasts they started to, to have their listener base, you know, and they in some of them cross you know pat- platforms, you know, people listen to you, listen to me, or what have you. Um, but I, it, at the end of the day, it's the responsibility to the listeners. I give them what they are signed up to you for, and I think that once we go through so many shows, we kind of understand what people want out of our shows and that's what they are they are shows we're not we're not a news source we're not bbc or 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 cnn and 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 respected at that way i think for myself uh, when it comes to providing a platform for people i will provide the platform for just about anybody as long as they have something original to bring to the Mm -hmm. show to bring to the listeners and if it is extreme like you said i mean we had um, mcafee on the show as well um people are are saying you know negative things about taylor i i thought she was an amazing guest and i thought she's i thought my crypto i think my crypto is great um you know but 
it's, it's for the listener to decide. It's the, for the listener to say, I'm going to listen to this person's opinion, or their ideology, their work, their, their, and then look at their Twitter or however they communicate and then judge these individuals by, by that platform, you know, by the contents that they say on our show, the contents that they put out and, and, and figure out if they're legit or not or trustworthy or not. So Forrest, have you, I didn't get deep enough into your content, so I don't want this to sound like a weird question, but have you had uh, like random guests on your show as well? So that's one thing I haven't, I haven't done a lot of, uh, of guests on the show. I think mostly because it's been, sometimes it's been a struggle for me to get the time to set up content and really get that stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are, there are folks out there that do a lot of like entertainment content and they have like a really solid, um, like group of people to come on the show and have a really good conversation. Um, and eventually I definitely want to start integrating that into the content. I think right now, my main focus is if I can help someone who's trying to make a decision for themselves about what they think of a platform, or if they're a developer that wants to start figuring out this space and seeing what's out there, that they can come to my channel, they can watch a 20 minute video and get a good baseline knowledge of a certain topic, you know, whether that's a specific coin or a crypto platform or, you know, a topic like um, secure hashing, little stuff like that. And conversely, I think part of the responsibility is that I'm putting it out there so that I can learn more about platforms because you know, I put a, a video about out about Cardano and I had a lot of people that are really passionate about the platform teaching me things about it in the comments that I didn't even know because I hadn't gotten that deep into it yet. So it's definitely a unique, uh, unique direction, but I really enjoy it. Hey, Forrest, I got a question for you, man. Um, like, sure. so I, I'm looking, I'm looking at your your site right now, uh, your YouTube channel, and you have a lot of you know reviews um, and and you know kind of like ex- explanatory explanatory uh, videos about different projects or you know protocols or what have you. How much responsibility do you have that you get the shit right? So when people are watching it, they have actually the the legit information. Yeah, it's definitely something that I would say that's the most stressful part to me about creating content is. You know, I'll spend a long time researching a platform if I haven't done something at work and actually have that hands-on experience and I want to create content. I've got to go out there on my own time, spare time, and do that research to make sure I'm giving people the correct information and then I'm communicating it in a way that makes sense to people that they could watch a 20-minute video and save themselves hours of research. Um, but to that point, if I get something catastrophically wrong, then someone could walk around with a completely incorrect thought about a platform for a long period of time. And I think that that's a big disservice to people and to the platform that I'm reviewing. So try really hard to make sure everything's on point before I post. Yeah, we we were in kind of that position too. And we didn't realize it. Originally, when I thought making this podcast, we're going to fire up the mics and we're going to talk. But we had our specific episodes about specific projects. And I feel you like we have we've said some dumb shit on some of those some of those episodes where we have to on the very next episode say, Yep. Oh, we got this wrong. We got to retract this. We're we're stupid. We didn't even. There was one where we didn't even find the white paper, which was to be fair, that was their fault, not mine. But the 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 white paper was kind of buried, and there was another white paper that says this is not a white paper. But anyway, yeah, I I totally feel with you on on that. And I believe Forrest that you're the only guest we've ever had on the show, including our hosts, that has a positive opinion of both Tron and Cardano. Not a yeah, lot of to be honest there. with you. To be honest with you, there's, you know, I had a lot of negativity for for Tron, especially early on because of the whole fiasco with the white paper, um, or a pretty much carbon copy of Ethereum, no product, whatever. Um, but I've tried now to withhold judgment until I actually use the, the platform and actually test it out and play with it and really figure out what it means and if it works. And I think right now we're finding that even Ethereum and even these projects that are touted as like... Uh, really well established, they don't have their stuff together either. So I try, I've tried a, a lot lately to be more open-minded to some of these other projects out there. What would you say is your favorite one to develop on? My favorite one to develop on right now, probably still Ethereum because I have the most experience. And so I know that if I get a problem that I have to solve, I can figure it out. And there's a lot of documentation. Um, the most fun that I've had lately learning something new, probably... Um, the, the Haskell programming language-based contracts in uh, in Cardano. It's been really interesting to try that out. There's some cool features in there. And it's just, it's the most different in structure. So it's been cool. cool. I know that was a little off topic, but just since we were we were there, I wanted to, I just wanted to ask you that. Um, Matthew, I'll bring it back to you. 
because I, I did develop like a specific question for you that I haven't had a chance to ask. So I'm going to ask that now. Uh, your podcast specifically does an amazing job at teaching new concepts to to people in the space. Your book did that also. But overall, I feel like we're all getting significantly less in the way of brand new crypto enthusiasts at, at, at you know as far as any time in my recent memory. Are, is, are you seeing that trend reflected in your numbers as well? And if so, are you changing your content in any way? And that's an awesome question. Actually, uh, yes. Um, when it comes to new users, uh, okay, so our listenership was, you know, of course, when it was $20,000 Bitcoin, it was it was through the roof. Mm. Uh, but it, it went down with the Bitcoin price and started stabilizing around 8,000, 7,000 Bitcoin. So we've been holding the same numbers ever since about 8,000, 7,000 Bitcoin. The holidays, as uh, Joel and I were talking uh, offline, is the holidays really kind of throws you a, a loop as well. You know, like Christmas, nobody you know, is plugging in there with their family. They're watching football, things like that. But when it comes to no, not getting new users in, I, we personally pivoted to do more interviews and more like ideology and more um, kind of like one-on-ones on different ideas of how uh, blockchain can bridge uh, different gaps in technology or kind of correct situations in our current state of technology that people might have a problem with. For example, data. We have a, a show coming out uh, today, actually, about uh, 23andMe and what they do with DNA data and how blockchain could maybe use data, your DNA data for a marketplace and you can sell your own data if you so choose. And, you know, these are just cool, like little things that people just, you know, maybe would like to know about how blockchain can, you know, fit into this new emerging world of data collection, data sales and, and you know, just big big data, you know, just everything's collecting, uh, you know, uh, information about you. So that with the new, with the less new people, like super noobs coming in, yeah, we definitely pivoted to do more of a, a 102, uh, 201 kind of uh, show that makes the people that have been here and listening to Crypto 101 for the past 18 months happy. Yeah. And does that reflect kind of your experience as well, Joel? Yeah, basically, we just sit around and cry and eat Oreos now. That's, you know, that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely, you know, when, when crypto was peaking, uh, the numbers were crazy. And then as it goes down, the numbers definitely reflect the price. And what we have now are the the looky-loos that were there to kind of ride the wave. Uh, they don't want to hear about crypto because they lost their money. Right. You know, or, or mm -hmm. they're sitting on coins that are worth 90 percent of what they were then. But the people who are listening to all of our shows, these are the people that get it. Blockchain is here to stay. Crypto is here to stay. They want to know about the latest developments and advances. Yeah, what we did is uh, Rachel Wolfson, who is a writer for Forbes and one of our resident crypto chick correspondents, uh, we spun off a show. So now the the crypto chick with Rachel Wolfson airs once a week um, on on iTunes and all the places. And we're also investigating other things that interest us. You know, what I've podcasted for years, but this was my first crypto podcast, but we're also passionate about technology. And I just got back from the Consumer Electronics Show, Travis, myself, and Stuart Rogers, who's a writer for uh, Venture Beat, uh, are launching a show called The Bad Boys of Tech, where we can talk about the latest tech news and gadgets and apps and software and all that. So there's always content, you know, that you could put out there that you're passionate about. And we're not stopping bad crypto. You know, the goal is still three to four episodes every week and to stay current with the market. But you can do other things as well. And, you know, a lot of people that like what we're doing, if they enjoy us talking about crypto, we think, well, they might enjoy us talking about, you know, the latest apps and technology as well. And we're actually launching that next week. We recorded the first episode this morning. So we'll we'll see how that works. Oh, cool. Is it going to launch? Uh, what's the date? Because this is we're putting this out on Tuesday, the 22nd. So that's what yeah, this next is going to come out. So is it going to be? It, yeah, I don't know the exact day yet because, you know, when you submit stuff to iTunes, it takes, you oh, know, yeah, you yeah. don't know how long it's going to be. But sometime next week, uh, the first episode, probably right. what we're even going to do is just put that first episode onto the Bad Crypto feed. You know, tell our, tell our fans, hey, we're doing a new show. We're going to let you guys listen to it here. If you like it, go subscribe to the other feed and if you're not interested in this well we'll see you on the next show yeah, Joel, yeah. actually that's interesting man we're we're starting a new youtube channel uh called a uh, crypto product review and we're gonna be reviewing products in the crypto and blockchain space uh that are coming out that's awesome so I'm, I'm looking forward can, can i bitch about youtube for a moment yes uh, sure. so Absolutely. you know youtube last year last i want to say march or april 
uh, they removed our channel in in one day with what? no strikes against us. None. They uh, I got three emails from YouTube back to back. The first one said we're removing this video for violating terms of service. The second email that came immediately after it, we're, we're removing your entire channel for repeat violations of terms of service. And the third one was we're closing your Google account. Now, I was able to reopen the Google account with no problem. It was a click and boom, I'm in. And we appealed. They would not tell us why. The only thing that we could imagine, because basically it was our show, just, you know, there wasn't video for most of it. It was just a a show card to go with it. Uh, We had a few videos up there. Mm -hmm. But all we could figure out is that they didn't like our Coinbase affiliate links. You know, we don't know for sure. They would not tell us. Uh, And we heard that they they closed about 100 crypto related accounts. Meanwhile, I'm not going to name any names, Superman, but there's (laughs) people out there that are outright pimping and and, you know, telling people what to buy or sell tons of crypto channels out there. And I think if you've got a crypto channel on YouTube, you're in danger because they closed us for no reason and there was no appeal and just gone. So we haven't been in, on YouTube in uh, almost a year. Do they ca- They don't care about swearing, right? Like that's- No. no. There's so much crap no. on YouTube that no. uh, like is actual scammy yep. violations. And uh, th- we even I even know a guy who's connected to people at YouTube. He said he couldn't do anything. That was that, you know, so these guys are out of touch with reality. The Silicon Valley companies, even Apple, listen, if they want to kick you out of iTunes, they don't have to give you a reason. You can be booted. This is why we need new platforms that are decentralized, that are blockchain based, where we, the people are empowered to put our content out there without fear of censorship. And this is a real big problem in our market today. Yeah, it's it's only going to get worse, too. Like, I, I feel... I, we had this discussion literally on our last episode, so this is fresh in my mind. But we we've noticed that some people will be banned from from a platform, and it'll you'll look at it and be like, okay, yeah, that person was shitty. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But every time that happens, it gives a little bit more power to the people that are doing it, and you unfortunately have these alternatives that are not a better user experience than their than YouTube. Like there is BitTube, but it's nowhere near as good of an experience as YouTube because YouTube has been developed for so long and it's so much money behind it. Until we can get a legitimate, better alternative that also happens to be decentralized, blockchain based, or or something of or something of that nature and censorship resistant, we're going to end up with the alternative platforms kind of being they're going to have the people that got kicked off, whereas there will be some people who legit like yourselves who got kicked off for no reason and there's going to be people who got kicked off for a reason so those platforms are going to end up being the vocal majority on those are going to be the people who were kicked off probably with reason because there's you know whatever they've got some sort of uh i'm thinking of like alex jones for instance he's super inflammatory as much as i dislike the guy i think he should have his he should have his platform so we really need to we need to be wary and also be developing a better alternative. Yeah, I think to an end, it's the person who's listening's responsibility to decide, you know, do I do, does this make sense to me? Do I believe what this person's saying? Is this content for me or is it not? And and making that choice because I don't think, you know, no matter what the platform is, it's your choice to consume the content and as crazy as people's values or views may be, to another person, it's it's a slippery slope when you start chopping people's channels for arbitrary reasons and then giving platforms to people who may not necessarily. Oh, yeah. If, if, if I turn on the television any given day, there's a bunch of crap on there. And I'm not offended. I don't care if it's out there. But what am I supposed to write the channel yeah. and say, I demand you remove this show? How about I just don't watch it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, g- guess what? I'm not yeah. going to watch it. I'm not going to listen. Yeah, I think censorship is a big problem. And and if you're paying attention, you'll notice that it's pretty one sided as far as who's getting censored and who isn't. Right. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's generally right now going to be the the right side of things that, or not the right the right wing side of things that's getting that's getting censored. And that's probably a direct effect of you know what? If if I finish that thought, it's going to be. 
another rabbit hole and we don't have time I'm to get down that rabbit hole. For you. It's a direct effect of people being unable to control their own feelings and needing to control other people. You know, uh, look, I, I, I've, I'm a conservative and, you know, I'm not afraid to say that. And I didn't vote for Obama, but I didn't go out there and whine like a little baby of the fact that he was president. And I didn't call for bans on things because I wasn't happy with the way things were going. I, I vote. That's what I do. I vote. I speak out when I can, but I'm not going to be a big whiny baby because I'm not getting my way. And what we've got today are people that are trying to control the conversation with censorship because they're not getting their way. So when you don't get your way and you can exert power, that's what totalitarianism looks like. And it's not it's not good. My, my, my two cents is I think that um, Silicon Valley is in a is in a evolving situation, an evolving situation of content being put out that might have malintent. And we can talk about people's, you know, if they're well-intended and this is actually what they believe and they want to exercise their freedom of speech, then that is one issue. But there are sites, there are people that are, are, are intentionally manipulating and lying and putting out content that even though it's freedom of speech, it's there for a, a reason that is not, is, that is not, you know, uh, that we wouldn't know that is, that is malintent. For example, I was just watched, I was just listening to a podcast called On the Media. And they were talking about how the the Democrats in Alabama were making false sites um, that were conservative sites, and they're trying to uh, appeal to you know the conservative voters, the right voter the, of the right right uh, the red, and they were making a site that was for you know Baptists that didn't drink alcohol, and what they're trying to do is split the voter base of the red for more, the it was during the Moore and Jones uh, election, and they intentionally split the voters of the uh, of the Moore's base so that some of them would go into the and vote for the independent. So they've split his vote. And that was uh, basically you could go on the site. You could see them saying that, you know, you know, Moore wants, you know, no alcohol, very, very, very right sort of ideas, very Christian or Baptist values ideas. And that split the vote. Now, if you could, you can go on there and say, hey, that is freedom of speech or somebody can turn that off. If they don't like it. But that is the intent is there to manipulate and to divide. So when we talk about freedom of speech, I think that we have to look at there's a lot of bad actors or a lot of people that are very smart and very uh, savvy in using this technology to do. I don't don't disagree, but here's the problem. Who fact checks the fact checkers, right? Even if the fact checkers are going in, if they have a bias, then you can have this world of alternative facts. And it's a real problem. I would rather have everything out there and let the marketplace interpret and decide than to have a, a panel of people with a bias telling me what I should or shouldn't listen to or believe. We, we have to take responsibility as adults to do our own research. And I think that we're way too dependent on other people to tell us what is real and what's not. Yeah. Think about a couple of ways to solve this. Ontology, one of the projects that is trying to basically just prove that you're a real person so that you can't have a Democratic representative setting up a conservative website in order to game the system. Augur, reputation. Yeah. Or you've got, um, think about just, this is not blockchain related, but what if you had a dislike button on Facebook? Oh, that would be bad. That would be horrible. (laughs) They can't do that. It would turn into a a, a hate fest. I'm sorry, an anonymous dislike button, because I thought about that too. if, If you see who dislikes you. Then you can yeah. yell at them and be like, "How could you, you still can't do post? it?" Because but, people would brigade; they would get their troops. They would say, "Okay, everybody, go dislike." Yeah, you this. know what? Yeah, dislike in mass. Yep. Yeah, we've experienced it's re- that. It's re- ourselves, that's so. basically Reddit. Well, the challenge. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is so true. Reddit is one of those places where no matter what, no matter what you think, no matter what you say, you will meet some of the most like hellacious insults of your life. It's an armpit, no it matter really what. Is. Yep. Yep. Reddit is, but also Reddit is the biggest friend of the crypto community. That's where you get a lot of the discourse and a lot of, uh, a lot of the first time I see something news related on in crypto, it comes from Reddit. We have a, we have a partnership with, uh, our cryptocurrency where we, we do a show for them every week in their discord. That doesn't get a, It doesn't get a ton of active participation, but we just talk about their biggest stories and then call them out as, as we do a segment called bullish or bullshit and the, the we we read the title and then the title 
is usually complete bullshit. And then we go and do our do a little bit of research and we're like, look, all you had to do is read the article and realize the title was wrong. And sometimes it's not even the same main idea. It's kind of it's nuts. But that's that's our responsibility. The shitty Reddit community was was part of the reason why I created Crypto 101. <laughs> Good on you. To be yeah. honest. Yeah, Reddit will just, they will shit all over you if you don't know the answer to something sometimes. And that's really sad. If somebody comes in there and like, hey, how do like, I do this with my wallet? Oh, you didn't do a search first? Go read the sidebar. Like, yeah, you know, could you have just given a link yeah, instead of written that? How about don't be a know, dick? Maybe. You know, uh, it's... Yeah. It, Reddit, the, yeah exactly. This is the downside of social media um, and the instantaneous nature of the in- internet we've got keyboard warriors we have a bunch of people that want to feel self-important we all want to feel important and so people have become increasingly abusive uh, you know i've been in social media since the beginning since uh, since myspace and i've written books on twitter and i've been on facebook and all these platforms since 2006 2007 and i was pre using social as an opportunity to grow your business and build relationships for a long time. But I think we may have reached the tipping point where social media is doing more harm to us as a society than good. And that makes me really sad. It does give yeah, the a vocal minority a mm-hmm. platform. Did you, did you guys see the, that uh, YouTube is banning ads that might cause harm or uh, videos that might cause harm to people? For example, like the Tide Pod Challenge and those kind of challenges. No more Bird Box Challenge? Oh gosh. <laughs> That's probably directly related. No more Bird Box Challenge. Now, okay, now going back to freedom of speech, is that something acceptable? For them to bad that I, they're going to continue. They're a private company. So in theory, they can do whatever they want. It just doesn't make it right. So we've given them a lot of power. And I understand why Google needs to look at something that, you know, that idiot that was driving the car blindfolded and then got into an accident because they were doing the bird box challenge. Maybe now they had a shareholder meeting and they said, yo, this bird box challenge is bad. We have to take a stance against this. Like I get the pressure to remove that stuff we need a system that doesn't have that pressure and that's one of the big things that blockchain crypto decentralization can provide if and when it provides a good enough user experience to compete you know you would think that human beings just started doing stupid things since social media came (laughs) around hey newsflash human (laughs) beings have been doing stupid things since the beginning of time we're just seeing it more now because people are posting videos. But, you know, the Darwin Awards have been around long before there was an internet. People are always doing stupid things. And now we're like, oh, we can't let the world see other people doing stupid things because then they might do stupid things. Here's an idea. Don't be an idiot. You know, raise your kids to not do stupid things. Take some personal responsibility. I don't need YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or the government or anybody to tell me how to live. And and it, it's going to reach this tipping point where people are going to say enough is enough. Yeah, I'm interested to see how splintered social media will become in five years. You already see it with one generation using Snapchat, one generation using Facebook, one generation using Instagram. Uh, or maybe not even generation, but different uh, different demographics using each one of them. Uh, or TikTok is getting popular and all that stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how splintered it finally becomes and how compartmentalized. Anyway, apparently we're the uh, censorship podcast. I me- I messed up the panel that we should we should have had that kind of panel. I feel like we could go for another hour with that, but we're already over time. <laughs> Does anybody have any like something they want to close with to kind of bring this all together? I can do it. But I, what, Forrest, are you still there? I'm still here. I hadn't heard from you in a little bit. I'm going to start with you then just to wrap this all up. Tell us where you could find you uh, and give us a couple of, you know, your Twitter handle, your YouTube, that kind of thing. And I'll, I'll go backwards order and, and then we'll sign off. Awesome. Thank you, Brent. Yep. You guys can find me on YouTube. My name is Hashoshi. That's H-A-S-H-O-S-H-I. My Twitter handle is at Hashoshi4, the number four. Uh, and if I leave you guys with just one piece of advice, it's just always keep learning and always learn from multiple sources because there's no one place to get all the knowledge you can possibly have. As long as you're making your own decisions, you're learning as much as you can, you'll be in the best position possible. Going, Yeah, forward. that's great advice. Always multiple sources. Look at both sides. Look at the pros. Look at the cons. Look at the look at the conservative. Look at the liberal. Find the truth in between. That's super correct. And Matthew? 
we've heard it before, but where can we where can we find you? Crypto101podcast.com. You can find everything there, links to uh, social medias, you, um, different podcast players, you know, wherever you are listening to Crypto 101. And if you are, please make sure you're subscribed to it. It helps us. And I guess I'll leave everybody to say, get just get involved. I mean, everybody that's listening to this right now probably is already in blockchain. They might just be uh, consuming either podcasts, or whatever. That's great. But write a blog, go out there and make a podcast, go out there and talk to these uh these companies, these blockchain projects. And I think that if you wanted to shift into uh, growing in the blockchain space, helping the blockchain space grow, uh, it takes a lot of great people and more and more people are are going to move into it. So this is a great time to get on the base level of a new emerging industry that's going to just blow up and do amazing things. Get involved. That is exactly how we felt. That's exactly how you felt. You have something to contribute in this space. It's super young. See what you can do to be a part of it. And and finally, Joel, I think uh, you everybody on the show probably who's listening already follows you on Twitter since you have like a million followers. But where else can we find you? <laughs> uh, Matt forgot to mention plant a tree, you know, out of all the list of things that we're to do here to, to do good. Uh, well, so yeah, yeah sometimes right. you get a plant a tree, but it depends on what right. kind of tree. Uh, a, a healthy one. Uh, anyhow, badcryptopodcast.com. Uh, you can follow me personally at joelcom.com or anywhere in the socials. And you can find the show everywhere but YouTube because uh, screw those guys and, uh, and screw Gillette. So there we go. Ooh. <laughs> Damn. All right. I need to watch that, I guess. Uh, everybody's talking about it. Uh, it's controversy for the sake of controversy. It's it. It was a. I wrote about it on my Facebook today. It was yes. uh, misguided controversy that ended up attacking their base uh, by insinuating that only a small portion of men aren't, uh, you know, creepy, rapey, you know, sexist. So it, you know. It, oh yeah, that mm. sounds like a real. Go check it out yourself. Don't take my opinion for it. Go watch it yourself and see what you think. <laughs> Don't take yeah. my word. Why, for why it? I know I'm bad. All right. Yeah, well, and every single one of us is not a financial advisor. We have all collectively agreed that we're idiots, so don't listen to anything we say. Please do your own research. All investments have inherent risk. All right. Thank you, everybody, for coming on. This was awesome. I hope I get to do more of these panels. If I do, and it feels like something that you guys might be able to help with, I will reach out to you. We're going to do about one a month. So they won't always be content creator panels, but that doesn't mean you don't have anything to contribute. So look forward to doing another one of these in the future. Thank you, Brent. And nice to meet everybody. Yep. Same here. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Mm